for that, and a lot of other things. He'd even got her interested in his time-wasting hobby of trying to decipher ancient Mesopotamian cuneiform scripts. But most of us had learned not to let him get started on the subject. Not surprising he'd ended up running a desk in codes and ciphers. Yes, I said. They told me to say it. I looked at his office, with its panelled walls that were made of some special kind of plastic on account of the fire department's regulations, and at the stern-faced president of Perimeter Security Guarantee Trust, framed in gold, and the fancy reproduction antique bureau that might have concealed a drinks cupboard. I'd have given a lot for a stiff scotch before facing that weather again. No chance. Look at this stuff. He indicated the trays laden with paperwork and the elaborate workstation with a video screen that gave him access to 150 major databases. Alongside it, staring at us from a big, solid silver frame, there was another reason. His brand-new American wife. She looked about 18, but had a son at Harvard and two ex-husbands, to say nothing of a father who'd been a big shot in the State Department. She was standing with him and a shiny corvette in front of a big house with cherry trees in the garden. He grinned again. I could see why they didn't like him in London. He had no eyebrows, and his eyes were narrow, so that when he grinned those super-wide, mirthless grins with his white teeth just showing, he looked like the commander of a Japanese prison camp, complaining that the POWs weren't bowing low enough. You could be in and out in a day, I coaxed. He was ready for that. A day to travel, a day to travel back. It would cost me three days' work, and quite frankly, Bernie, those goddamn flights leave me bushed. I thought you might like a chance to see the family, I said. Then I waited while the secretary, a tall girl with amazingly long red tapering fingernails and a mane of silvery yellow wavy hair, brought in two paper cups of slot machine coffee and put them down very delicately on his huge desk. Together with two bright yellow paper napkins, two packets of artificial sweetener, two packets of non-dairy creamer, and two plastic stirrers. She smiled at me, and then at Jim. Thank you, Charlene, he said. He immediately reached for his coffee, looking at it as if he was going to enjoy it. After putting two sweetener pills and the white creamer into it, and stirring energetically, he sipped it and said, My mother died last August, and Dad went to live in Geneva, with my sister. Thank you, London Research and Briefing. Always there when you need them. I nodded. He'd made no mention of the English wife he'd divorced overnight in Mexico, the one who had refused to go and live in Washington, despite the salary and the big house with the cherry trees in the garden. But it seemed better not to pursue that one. I'm sorry, Jim. I was genuinely sorry about his mother. His parents had given me more than one sorely needed Sunday lunch and had looked after my two kids when the Greek au pair had a screaming row with my wife and left without notice. I drank some of the evil-tasting brew and started again. There's a lot of money, half a million perhaps, still unaccounted for. Someone must know about it. Half a million. Pounds. Well, I don't know about it. His lips tightened. Oh, come along, Jim. No one's shouting fire. The money is somewhere in central funding. Everyone knows that, but there'll be no peace until the bookkeepers find it and close the ledgers. Why you? 
Good question. The true answer was that I'd become the dog's body who got the jobs that no one else wanted. I was coming over anyway. So they saved the price of an air ticket. He drank more coffee and carefully wiped the extreme edge of his mouth with the bright yellow paper napkin. Thank God I'm through with all that penny-pinching crap in London. How the hell do you put up with it? He drained the rest of his coffee. I suppose he developed a taste for it. Are you offering me a job? I said, straight-faced and open-eyed. He frowned, and for a moment looked flustered. The fact was that since my wife had defected to the Russians a few years before, my bona fides were dependent upon my contract with London Central. If they dispensed with my services, however elegantly it was done, I might suddenly start finding that my indefinite...